everyone. How's everyone doing? Good? Everybody's doing good? So it's Happy New Year. We're still trying to get in rhythm. That's maybe why the nice musical is, I would think, like Grammy award-winning, critically acclaimed song that was going to be played. Maybe we'll find out a way to email it to the rest of you afterwards. So we are going to go ahead and do a series to start off the new year about the name of our church, STSA. So a lot of times we say STSA, STSA, STSA. And I like it. It sounds cool. It sounds, you know, catchy. It's easy to say. But there's a meaning to the ST and the SA, right? We all know that it's not just SDSA. There's an actual meaning to it. ST stands for St. Timothy. And SA stands for St. Athanasius. Very good. So what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about the ST part of the equation, St. Timothy, and we're going to talk about his life. But more than that, I want us to focus on his legacy. Okay, and what I mean by that is, why as a church did we choose St. Timothy and St. Athanasius as our patron saints? Anyone who knows Father Anthony, does anyone think that was a haphazard choice? That he would just put a bunch of names of saints in a hat and said, okay, let's pick out two saints. Oh, look, it's St. Timothy and St. Athanasius. Let's just combine those two. Anyone think that? No? Good. So it's definitely not that. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to focus on the legacy that they left and how that impacts us as a church, as a church family, but also individually, okay? So St. Timothy. So we're going to talk a little bit today about St. Timothy, and I'll be honest, I'm a little bit biased. Not only is our church named after, but I'm named after St. Timothy, so I'm a little bit biased, but I'm going to try to take my bias out. So if I was to ask you, who is the most influential person in the New Testament other than Christ? Like who scholars would say is the most like influential person in early Christianity in Scripture? Who would you say? St. Paul, right? A lot of us would say St. Paul, St. Paul. St. Paul wrote a majority of the letters. He did a bunch of missionary journeys to preach the gospel, converted a ton of people, established churches. St. Paul. Now St. Paul, a lot of us think of St. Paul as this guy who was just, you know, going on his own, doing these missionary journeys. And for sure he was great. St. Paul was great. But he didn't do it alone because the church doesn't function that way. And we know that he didn't do it alone because there's a lot of times where he'll set churches up and then have people in those churches. Sometimes he'd have companions with him while he traveled. And even when disputes came up, he would actually go back to the church in Jerusalem and they would discuss those disputes. And we'll discuss one of them today. So St. Paul worked with a lot of people, just to name a few, Barnabas. Okay, so Barnabas was one of the early guys he worked with, but then they went their separate way. Another person he worked with is Silas, or Silvanus, as some of the other translations have it. Titus is another person that he would work with. And then Timothy was another person that he worked with. And that's just naming a few. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to do some trivia around those questions. Okay, so the first trivia question. So how about we do like a little bit of a competition here? So we'll do, this side will be Saint Ath Team St. Athanasius, okay? This side will be Team St. Timothy, okay? And I'm not going to have favorites just because they're named after St. Timothy, all right? So the first question, all right? Hmm? That's not good. First question, until we figure this out. How many letters are traditionally attributed to St. Paul? Okay, how many letters are traditionally attributed to St. Paul? And it's multiple choice, okay? A, seven. 
B, 14. C, 9. D, 12. Team Timothy. A. All in favor of A. 14. Anyone else? Everybody agree? 14? 14? All right. Team San Athanasius, do you agree or disagree? Agree? 14 is correct. And that's by far the easiest question of this trivia round. Okay, so next question. How many of those 14 Pauline epistles refer to Silas? Okay. How many of those Pauline epistles refer to Silas? A, 3. B, 5. So next question. All right. C, 8. Or D, 10. Team Timothy. A, raise your hand. How many for A? Okay, how many for five? Okay, how many for eight? Ten? Okay, so I saw a mixture of between A and B. How about this team over here? Three? Raise your hands. Five? Okay. Eight? Okay, a lot of different options, and people are just not voting. People don't care. Ten? Okay. So the answer is... I actually think this is, oh, it is working now. It's three. Okay. How about Titus? Out of the 14, three, four, five, or 12? Three? Four? Just guess. It's fine. <laughs> five? Okay. 12. So I'm hearing some fours. Okay. What about you guys? Four. Yeah, just yell it out. Four. four. I hear four and five. Okay. Four is correct. That's good. How about Timothy? So we automatically know that two of the Pauline le- uh, uh, epistles, the, his letters, were written to St. Timothy, right? So automatically we know two are, in the, are automatic. Three? Seven? I heard seven. Seven? Five? Eleven? Seven? Okay, I'm getting a seven feel over here. All right, how about here? Oh, I hear everything. Eleven. Eleven out of the 14 Pauline epistles make a mention of St. Timothy. And they make a mention of him in a few different ways. Okay? We'll call it a tie. Both saints are great. Okay, so I'm not going to choose who won. Um, Eleven of the Pauline epistles out of 14. And what does that tell us? He was very active. He was very active in the mission with St. Paul. So a lot of times, St. Paul would write about St. Timothy being with him while he's traveling. Or other times, he would say, I'm actually going to send you St. Timothy. Okay? And some other times, he would just make reference to him because he's writing to him. Okay? So there's a lot of different occasions where he does go ahead and make um, reference to Timothy. So 11 out of the 14. So some scholars would say he was kind of like his right-hand man. All right. So timeline of St. Timothy's life. Okay, he's born around 300 and, uh, uh, excuse me, 30 AD. And around that time, he's given the name Timothy. Does anyone know what Timothy stands for? It's actually a very beautiful meaning. It means honoring to God or honored by God. Okay, honoring to God or honored by God. And that we'll see as a theme throughout his life. But basically, he's born around 30 AD. At the age of 19, he joins Paul on his second missionary trip at the age of 19. Okay, 
Now, take a few steps back. How did we get here from 0 to, to 19? So we actually hear that St. Paul goes to the area where Timothy was living in Acts 14. And at the time, Timothy is uh, at the age of 17. And what we hear is that St. Paul heals a man, okay? And he's with Barnabas at the time. And because he heals him, they think that the Greek gods are here among them, right? Do you guys remember that story? And they say, oh, one is like Zeus and one is like Hermes. Like, you guys remember that story? So he's right there. He's witnessing all of that. And he sees Paul healing the slain man. And they're trying to worship Paul and Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas say, no, 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 no. We're just human. We're just human. You don't worship us. But let me tell you who you do worship. And they start preaching to them the gospel. And the people are listening. People are engaged and great. And then all of a sudden, a group comes and they turn the mob against them. And they almost stone Paul to death. And the only reason they stopped stoning him was because they thought he was dead. They left him for dead. So that's at the age of 17. Fast forward a couple of years, St. Paul comes back later, again to the same area where Timothy is. And it turns out that Timothy, his mother, and his grandmother had converted, or had believed in Christ. And at the age of 19, the people in the church in this area are speaking very highly of Timothy. So St. Paul says, great. He meets Timothy and he says, okay, I'll take him and he'll be with me and he'll help me out. Question for you. I saw a guy at the age of 17. He came, he healed. It was amazing. But I also saw him being stoned to death. I don't know if I want to join that. <laughs> like my initial inclination isn't, oh yeah, sign me up for that. That sounds like a great, a great time. He's, he's about to join something serious. This is going to be very, like it's very courageous for him at this young age to go ahead and go with St. Paul. But it also shows how his faith was very genuine and real. And the first time we hear of St. Timothy specifically, we'll read it in a little bit, is in Acts 16. Um, but in, in, in Acts 14 is the story with, uh, with Paul that we just talked about. So after that, as time goes on, he's very young and he's traveling with Paul. And you'll notice early on especially, Paul doesn't leave him alone. So either Paul is with him while he's traveling or he'll say, okay, you and Silas stay here. Okay, go with this other person to that area. So he wasn't always just with Paul as Paul's travel companion. Sometimes Paul would go to another location and leave him with someone else. Sometimes he would send him to other locations. And then later on, Timothy would go on his own as well. And then fast forward a bunch of years, and he actually becomes, he settles after all the traveling he does, because we know about St. Paul's, he did a lot of traveling, but St. Timothy actually did a ton of traveling as well. And after all the traveling he does, St. Paul says, okay, now you're going to just be in charge of Ephesus, and there's churches there in that area, so you're going to be in charge of that location. And he's the overseer of Ephesus, but it's not merely like an administrative role. What we learn from the Pauline epistles is that there was a laying of hands on him, and he was given a gift, like a sacramental gift, which traditionally, what the church says, he's actually the first bishop of Ephesus. Everybody know that Timothy was actually a bishop. He's the first bishop of Ephesus. And the first and second Timothy, the letters that St. Paul wrote to St. Timothy are actually um, while he was in Ephesus. So he's a bishop in Ephesus and he, you know, he's doing his work in Ephesus. And this is probably in his like 30s or so. And then he, over time, at the very end of his life, and some say he's in his 70s or 80s, it's all approximate. He sees people 
again, back to the first story, worshiping idols, and he tries to stop them and to explain to them what they're doing is wrong, and they turn against him, and they murder him. And that's how he's martyred in Ephesus. So that's a very quick snapshot of the life of St. Timothy. And I love going over the life and the facts and all that stuff is great. But I also want us to focus on, okay, what can we learn from his life? Not just simply, um, you know, it's great that he had, uh, that we can learn how active he was, all the things he did, but also what can we learn from it? So the very first thing, like I said, in Acts 16, we learn that uh, this is the first time we hear actually St. Timothy's name, okay? And I'm just going to read this real quick here. And then he came to Derby and Lystra, he being Paul, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. So the first recording that we hear of St. Timothy, this is St. Luke writing the Acts, and this is what we hear. Kind of strange, isn't it? Like the first thing you have to say about somebody is, his father is Greek and his mother is Jewish. Like that doesn't seem like, uh, it's weird. Why is it necessary to say that? Anything come to mind? Who was Paul preaching to? Non-Jews, right? Paul's mission was primarily to non-Jewish people. And all of the sudden, in the midst of all of this, here, here comes someone who God has been working in, in his life, at a very young age, Timothy. Mother is Jewish, his father is Greek. Coincidence? No. It's divinely, it's like it's from God. God is like handing St. Paul a gift so that Timothy would be honoring to God, right, as his name indicates. The church at this point was in a transitional period. It was in a transitional period because what the church was, was there was the home base and that home base was Jewish. But then what they learned through the ministry of St. Paul was actually Christ is for all. Christ isn't limited to a specific race or ethnicity or any of that. He's for all. And here comes Timothy who understands both that Jewish context, the, the, that ancient part, but he also gets the Greek side, Right? He also understands the culture. And we actually, based on our reading of, of him specifically, he wasn't circumcised, which tells us that he actually probably affiliated more with the Greek part of, of the culture than even the Jewish part. Okay. To put it in simple words, this, this was the beginning of the future of the church, where the church was going to go. Because if the church just maintained to stay, if it just it was contained to Jerusalem, we wouldn't be here. Right? Like all of us would not be here if the church was just in Jerusalem. I don't think Timothy being there, where Paul is starting his mission to the Gentiles, is an accident. And I also don't think that we're here by accident. I don't think this church is here by accident. I don't know if you believe me or not, but I, maybe I'm just foolish. I don't think this church is here by accident. Think about our church. We have this beautiful, rich, ancient faith. Beautiful. We're also located in one of the most diverse places in the world. We're five, ten minutes outside of D.C. Is that an accident? I don't think so. And that's why St. Timothy, that's his legacy. His legacy was the mission for everyone. 
just to say that Christ is for all. Christ isn't limited to a specific ethnicity. He's not limited to a specific culture, not limited to a specific time. He's for all. So we're not here by accident as a church. But even more than that, not only we as a church collectively are not here by accident, I don't think individually any of us are here by accident, like Timothy specifically. St. Timothy, God chose him for that specific job, that specific function. If this is your church and this is your home church, I don't think that's by accident. I think that if God is calling you to serve here, it's for a reason. And maybe we don't know the exact reason, we don't know the exact function of what you're going to be doing, but you're here for a reason. I don't like going through life thinking that everything is haphazard. Not because I just don't like it, but I just don't believe it based on scripture. I think God has a purpose for why we're all here and why this church is specifically here. So that's the first part of St. Timothy's life is the initial part as we hear uh, in chapter 16, verse 1, where he basically just says, you know what? Um, he, this, is, this is just who he was by circumstance. Like, we haven't even spoken about any virtues of St. Timothy. We, like, this is just who he was. His father was Greek. His mother was Jewish. That's who he was. And God is saying, regardless of where you are, I can work. Regardless of who you are. So the church, there's a church in California. God can work. Church in Canada, church in wherever. God can work. Nothing is by accident. So we're going to keep going with uh, that same chapter. So the believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him, talking about Timothy. And Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in the area, for they all knew that his father was Greek. First mention of Timothy we hear, Father was, Jew- Father was Greek, his mother was Jewish. Second thing we hear, circumcision. Welcome to SESA on Sunday. So I was wondering to myself, like, why, again, St. Luke, why is this so important to mention? If you actually read the Acts chapter 15, just a chapter before, Paul had, like, launched an attack against this very thing. And he came to the church and he said, we cannot force the Gentiles to to be circumcised. God is for all. We don't have to make them exactly like us in order to be children of God. Circumcision is not necessary. And yet, he said, no, I have to circumcise Timothy. How old did I say Timothy was when he's meeting Paul? 19? Second time around before he's about to join him? 19. How do you feel about this if you're Timothy? If I'm Timothy, Paul, you don't even believe this. I, you, just, you just argued this very thing. Why are you making me do this? Like, this doesn't make any sense. But we don't even hear of his opinion on the matter. Paul said, I'm going to circumcise you. We're going to go. And there's actually wisdom to why Paul did it. Paul, the reason that Paul did it was because he didn't want any distractions. People knew that his mother was Jewish, and therefore he just didn't want distractions in the ministry. He didn't want to have to deal with even though he didn't believe that he had to be circumcised, but he didn't want the distraction, any distractions in the ministry. And all we know about Timothy is that he obeyed. Min- because ministry requires sacrificial obedience, okay? And maybe not for all of us quite the same way that Timothy had that sacrificial obedience, but it does. If you, the moment you say that I'm not here by accident and I want to serve God, I want to make my life matter for the kingdom of God in any way, in any capacity, 
the next thing you're going to be faced doing is that the next thing that you're going to be faced with is sacrificial obedience immediately, right off the bat. And that sacrificial obedience is not always easy. Like it's, it's easy to obey something that you believe in. It's easy to say, okay, I obey this because I know that th this is, you know, the way to go. But sacrificial obedience just says, whatever God tells me to do, if it's for the sake of the ministry, even if I have to make some concessions along the way, that's okay. As long as it's not contrary to, to the commandments of God. From a church level, how does this work? If I, from a church level, we say we have the mission and vision to do A, B, and C, okay? That mission and vision of the church doesn't change based on circumstance. For example, hypothetically, hypothetically, let's say we are working on getting our own building, hypothetically, okay? Our mission and vision can't change because of that. It can't be like, oh, well, we can't actually do community service anymore. We just, you know, like, no, that's part of our mission and vision. That's part of our fabric. Can pastoral care go down now because we're having a building? Of course not. So obedience means that you stay the course. You do your job. If God says this is the mission and vision of the church, regardless of the circumstance, you have to do it. As a church body, we have to, we have to do it. We have to be faithful in that. But individually, it's the same thing. If God calls us to serve him, and there are times where we have to obey, sometimes we have to sacrifice to do things that we don't want to do, anything that you don't want to do, but it's for the ministry. Public speaking, you got to do it. It's for the ministry. Sunday school, got to do it. Whatever it is, you got to do it. Well, we have to do it. It's for the ministry. Now, the temptation that sometimes I hear and sometimes I, my own, I'll fall into as well. I'm not qualified. That's not for me. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. Temptation is when you accept the fact, I'm not here by accident, and I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to obey God. Then the next thing you'll hear is a lie from the devil saying, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough. Spoiler alert, you're not. We're not. No one is. But that's not the point. If God is calling us to do it, you do it. And I have proof for you that you don't need to be the image in your mind to fulfill a specific job. I got proof for you. And that proof is St. Timothy himself. Just to give a background to this verse. So, St. Timothy, again, he's with St. Paul at the time, and St. Paul is writing to the Corinthians. The church in Corinth was known for not great stuff. Okay, we'll just keep it in there in case there's kids in the room. Okay? They weren't in like, they were, they were a church that had serious, deep-rooted issues. They had a lot of problems. And St. Paul says, I'm sending you Timothy. But hey, guys, when Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. Why was it necessary for St. Paul to tell this to the Corinthians? So some people speculate, and I have an additional opinion, but some people speculate that Timothy by nature was actually very reserved. He wasn't the same personality type as St. Paul. St. Paul's a fiery guy, like, you know, we're going to get the job done. Timothy by his nature was very reserved. Doesn't mean he wasn't courageous. 
at the age of 19, at the age of 17, he saw Paul almost getting stoned. At the age of 19, he joins him on a secondary, on a second missionary journey. So he was definitely courageous. But by his nature, he was very reserved, is what some people say. I also think he was pretty young. And St. Paul, I heard the way that you've spoken to these Corinthians, and I know what's going on in their church. It sounds like quite the job, okay? So this is not an easy thing he's going into, okay? It's not an easy ministry he's going into. But regardless, what it shows us is that St. Paul, type of personality. St. Timothy, a different kind of personality. But what does St. Paul say? He's carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. We're doing the work of the Lord. Both are. Treat him like you would treat me. We're both doing the work of the Lord. So in your mind, if you hear that temptation, that thought of, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not like so-and-so. Therefore, I can't do this type of ministry. I'm not saying every ministry is a good fit. Like, we all have gifts and talents. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, don't put it in your mind to compare yourself to someone else. Because ministry requires sacrificial obedience, but it's not cookie cutter. It's just not. Not everyone has to be exactly the same. God didn't create us that way on purpose because we're called to fill a different mission. And not every individual is exactly the same, but not every church is exactly the same. Like our church here in Arlington, Virginia is not exactly the same as a church in Canada, depending on the needs of the people, depending on what they need. Let me ask you a question. We'll take Hope Multiplied as a case study here. Let's say, our, which is Hope Multiplied, for those of you who don't know, is like our um, community service arm here in the church. Let's say Hope decides we're going to do a feeding of the homeless event, okay? And they go out into the streets, and there's no homeless people. Like in, I mean, obviously not in D.C., but just hypothetically, there's no homeless people. And they say, no, that's what we're going to do. We're going to feed the homeless. And they continue going out every day, feed the homeless. Does that make sense? Shouldn't they check? Is that, is that how we do ministry? We just, whatever cookie cutter mission we have in our mind, we're just going to apply it blindly? That doesn't make any sense. But instead, what we would do is, oh, there's a need to feed the homeless. Let's fulfill that need. Let's go to a hospital, which is actually what they did, is let's go to a hospital and ask them, hey, what do you need? Let's go to the schools. Hey, what do you guys need? How can we help? And then he fulfilled the mission. Because it's not cookie cutter. From a church perspective, ministry is not cookie cutter. Now, there's certainly overlap in, in how the church looks, like the way we worship. There's overlap. But not everything has to look identical. If God didn't create us as individuals exactly the same, why would we expect our churches to look exactly the same? That doesn't make sense. Each church, it's called to, fill, to fulfill its own mission. The same way St. Timothy is going to Corinth and is going to minister to Corinth, despite the fact that he's a different type of personality than St. Paul. Is he going to be successful in fulfilling that mission? Of course he is, because he's doing the work of the Lord just as St. Paul was doing. And that's what we're called to do. So, so far, just to recap, we've talked about the life of St. Timothy. We've talked about, we're not here by accident. This church is not here by accident, but individually we're not here by accident. 
And once you accept that fact, you say, great, 2020, I'm here, I want to volunteer, I want to serve, I want to do some stuff. And then we say, okay, well, that's going to require some sacrifice. It's going to require some obedience. It's going to require some humility. Great. All about that. And don't get it in your mind, this is, this is the hard part, is once I make those decisions, that lie that creeps up that I have to be exactly the same as the next Joe Schmo, false. You don't. Okay? But then there's something else. One theme in reading everything that St. Paul either wrote about Timothy or wrote to Timothy, there was one theme that I just couldn't get away from. I couldn't get away from it. And I'm going to go through a few verses, and you guys tell me what the theme is. And I may have helped you out. For this reason, I have sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. 1 Corinthians 4.17. Okay? Everyone good there? All right. Philippians. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. What's the theme so far? Anything stick out? You could yell it out. This is interactive today. Father, son, okay, for sure. Anything else? He's special. He's special to Paul. I agree. There's a genuine, like, you can almost feel Paul's emotions coming through the letters when he's writing about Timothy. He really is like a dear son to Paul. He's not just some other guy. They have a special bond, a special relationship. And why that's important, and, we talk, and we're going to talk a little bit about the father-son relationship. Why that's important is, from a church-wide perspective, right, from a church perspective, that bond, those relationships that we build are essential for us to complete our mission as a church. No one can do everything. The church has never operated that way. No one is, no one is Christ incarnate right here among us who can do everything. No one can. And Paul, as great as Paul was, he loved Timothy so much, and he also recognized his need for Timothy. And if you don't believe me, not just was it a father-son relationship here, but we'll actually see something else. St. Paul is writing his last letter to St. Timothy. And this is St. Paul's, so St. Paul's in Rome. He's in prison, okay? And at the time, um, he, if you read Second Timothy, he's actually writing about like people that have left him, that he's kind of on his own, and you kind of hear, like, he's down a little bit, you know? He's in Rome, he's in prison, and he kind of feels like this is the end, and it would turn out that this would be the last letter he would write. So he writes to his son, to his special, you know, the person who has a special place in his heart. He writes to him, and he says, first in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 9, do your best to come to me quickly. Do your best to come to me quickly. And then at the very end of the chapter, again, he says, 
Hey, just again, do your best to come here before winter. Why? St. Paul is showing this vulnerability. Why? He's about to die. Yeah. What else? He needed comfort. And he wanted that comfort from who? From Timothy, his son. I was thinking to myself, like, as great as St. Paul was, as, like, St. Paul's a fighter, man. Like, he's not, he's not, like, you know, like, struggling. He doesn't, you know, have, like, low self-confidence. And, like, he's a strong guy, fighter. But even he needed comfort. He needed comfort. And he had been pouring his entire life into the church, but also into Timothy as his son. I have no one else like him. He loves him. It's his dear, dear, dear son. And he's pouring into Timothy, pouring into Timothy, pouring into Timothy. And then Timothy reads this letter, and he heads back to Rome to go see Paul. We don't know if he makes it in time or not. Hopefully he did. But he reads this letter, and he goes back. He goes to Paul one last time, to go see his father. And I don't use those words loosely because so sometimes people are, are a little hesitant about saying father to, to any person. And this is, actually, this is actually one of the defenses against call no man father in, in the way that Christ says it. We, act, we see that St. Paul clearly understood it in a different way because he called many people like his children, but specifically Timothy. He referred to him as a son and he was like his spiritual son. If you're ever going to be in any service, in any ministry, you can't do it alone. No one can. Not even St. Paul, the great St. Paul, can't do it alone. He needed St. Timothy. And God orchestrated, orchestrated in a brilliant way, because that's who God is, that, oh yeah, there's this guy that I heard of that's doing great in this church here. He's young, so he needs, you know, maybe a little bit of take him under your wing, but he's great. He's faithful. He has a lot of zeal, a lot of potential. And his guy, Timothy, happens to be, just happens to be, what are, what are the chances? His mother is Jewish and his father is Greek. Oh, yeah, that's right. St. Paul, your mission is to preach to the Gentiles. It just like fell in his lap, didn't it? And after all of that, he invests in St. Timothy, and he would often send St. Timothy to a bunch of places. Like, And again, I don't say this lightly, like going to Corinth is like going into the lion's den. Okay, that wasn't an easy mission by any, by any means. And he pours and he invests and he believes in St. Timothy. But at the very end of his life, he says, hey, come back. Come to me quickly. I need to see you one last time. That's a special relationship. That's a special bond. It teaches a lesson. Two, two are better than one. Always. When Christ sent the two disciples, when Christ sent the, the apostles on the Great Commission, two by two. Right? Even Timothy early on, Paul would not let him go on his own. Two by two. Because two are better than one. From a ministry perspective, it's impossible to fulfill everything. We need all of us to collaborate together. But also from an individual, like, spiritual growth perspective. There's a lot of wisdom in the church having a spiritual father, a mentor, a guide. There's wisdom in that. Because we can't walk through this world alone. 
We need help. It's natural to need that help. And no matter who you are, it's natural to need that help. This is a brand new year, 2020. I hope you're excited about it as, as much as I am. And what I want to kind of reiterate here is the life of St. Timothy is much more than just learning a few facts. It's, yes, he was bishop in Ephesus. He did a lot of great things. He was the second-hand man, mentioned in 11 out of the 14 epistles of St. Paul. Great, the best. But what I want to really focus on is not so much the facts, but what was his legacy? And to me, St. Timothy's legacy was that Christ is for all. That Christ is for everyone. He's not limited. He's for all. Our church here, what's one of our core values? Limitless acceptance. Thank you. Limitless acceptance. And that, we can't just say we believe that. We have to actually do it. Like, I believe in a lot of things. Started in 2020, I believe that I should be working out a lot more than I am. That belief has gotten me nowhere, okay? So we're still going to restart again. So I believe a lot of things, but we have to actually do it. We have to say what we believe. If we believe that it's limitless acceptance, then truly every person that walks into the, into the church, our challenge is to really make that person feel loved. Doesn't matter their background. Doesn't matter language, ethnicity, whatever. Doesn't matter. That's St. Timothy's legacy. So to us as a church, was picking St. Timothy's name as a patron saint for our church, was that an accident? Does anyone here think that's an accident? Of course not. But what we do know is that on the surface level, we don't read much about St. Timothy, but he was active behind the scenes. He would travel a ton. He did a lot of work. And while ministry requires obedience, it requires that you don't get in that cookie-cutter mindset it requires all that stuff. One thing it requires more than anything else, if we're here as a church serving together, is it requires us forming those relationships. Forming that relationship that St. Paul had with St. Timothy. We have to form those relationships with each other. Because that is how we accomplish a lot of great things. And that is my hope and wish for this upcoming year and for this church. Let's stand up for prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us to, to be here in your presence today. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to, to have St. Timothy as our patron saint. It's truly an honor for us, and we ask you, Lord, that you teach us how to honor you in return. We ask, Lord, that this church may be always the most welcoming most loving environment for those who come, Lord, and that we may be dedicated, Lord, to serve your people in the church and outside the church, to really be a light in this area, Lord. We put it all in your hands, Lord, and we ask you to guide us and to help us in everything that we do. Lord, as this upcoming year starts, Lord, we ask that your glory may be revealed in every way, not because of anything that we do, but because of who you are. We ask, Lord, that you hear our prayers through intercessions of the Mother of God, St. Mary, St. Timothy, and St. Athanasius, and all the saints as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
and crush you sorrowful. Thine is the kingdom of power. 